Morning. So glad to have you guys here. Uh, you guys look fantastic this morning. Some of you are like, I do. I really do. Right? You guys look great. Uh, so glad to have you here. We are in our Christmas season. I'm so excited. Uh, I love, love, love Christmas. And uh, uh, last night we had our staff Christmas party. We opened up our house and they came over. I know a lot of you are like, well, what does a church staff do at their Christmas parties? Well, I'm going to share that with you so you guys have an insight of what we do. Number one, we learn how to say epithet. I'm not making that up. We sat there and we tried to figure it out for, for uh, a while. And then the second thing we did, we played a game where you kind of have to try to think the way that your spouse thinks and try to read their mind. That game went about as smooth as you can imagine it did. Um, my wife and I think we've been married the longest, or, and uh, we got two points. So, uh, But... Uh, um, we, our plan was to play to seven or play to 10 and we got to seven and everybody quit. So, uh, um, but a couple, a couple things I just want to remind you of, uh, Jingle Jam's a week from today. And so if you have not signed up, please sign up because today's the last day and we're close to capping out. Um, so, which is great. We, we love having that, uh, uh that type of issue, but to please sign up. Number two is if you have not seen our Christmas service, Christmas Eve services, we have two uh, regular services in the morning, and then we're going to have two Christmas Eve services at 4.30 and 6. So I, wanna, I just want to put this out there to all of you parents. Some of, I know some, like, some people is like, I don't want to bring my kid into Christmas Eve service. They're rowdy. I want to give you this story, okay? 11 years ago, I was working late, and so I came home, and I had an energy drink. I took about two sips, put it on the counter, went and hopped in the shower, came out. By the time I came out, Pierce drank the whole thing. He was four years old. And I remember we were panicking, and so we called uh, poison control, and we're like, what do we do? And the lady's like, well, is he acting any different? I'm like, he acts crazy to begin with, so we, we can't tell. And she's like, well, what I would recommend, he'll be fine, but just don't go anywhere with a lot of people. And she's like, so what do you have planned for tonight? I was like, we're going to our church service, which is 2,200 people and an auditorium. And she, the laughter that came from that phone... <laughs> She's like, well, good luck with that, and hung up. And, and uh, we went to the church service. It went about as rough as you think it did. And uh, he was all over the place. And about halfway through the service, the two ladies in front of us turned around and looked at me and my wife. We were still young parents. And she said, both of them said, you're doing a fantastic job. And, and as both of us are crying and Pierce is in a headlock, we're like, okay. And uh, she's like, seriously, you're in Christmas Eve service with your entire family you're doing fine. And so I want to be those two ladies turn around and telling you, if you've got to bring your kids and they're rowdy, you're fine. Okay. I promise you, you're, you're just, you're okay. That you'll be in church on, on Christmas Eve. That's a tradition that you're starting in your kids' life. Amen. So uh, please bring those rowdy kids. Uh, we expect it. All right. So we are in Christmas season. And you know, when we look at the Christmas season, we use a word a lot. And that word is over. We overdo Christmas. Amen? We do. We overdo a lot of things at Christmas. If you don't believe me, let's switch out the word over for under. Nobody has ever said, man, this Christmas season, I really underate. I, I didn't have enough calories this Christmas season. Nobody's ever said that, ever, because we overeat during Christmas. We, we do. We overeat. And another one is, um, you know, we, we underthink. 
You know, we, we, just, we just do the, our first thought. No, we overthink things. Another one that we can all relate to is nobody ever said, man, I really under, underspent this Christmas. I, I, I was really upset by the little amount of money I spent. Nobody's ever said that because we overspend. Uh, most, most importantly is, you know, no one's ever said, you know, this Christmas season, I was really underwhelmed. Nobody has ever said that. We're always overwhelmed, but the one that we really are going to hone in today that we're going to try to, to change is when we look at the Christmas season, the thing that we overdo the most is we overlook. We overlook what Christmas is really about. And I'm not going to be like Linus up here and, and, and quote you the entire thing. I can, but I won't do it. But we overlook the most important things at Christmas time. So what I want to challenge you today is if we are going to overdo anything this Christmas season, don't overeat. Well, you can if you want. Don't overeat. Don't overthink. Don't overcomplicate. Most importantly, don't overlook. But let's be overjoyed this Christmas season. Let's be so overjoyed with the fact that the risen Savior has came. He already came, he, he, he already did what he's supposed to, and he's waiting for us. If you can't be overjoyed by that, I don't know what's going to overjoy you. The fact that that is the day that hope was absolutely breathed into our lives because Jesus Christ came, that should be enough to make you overjoyed for this Christmas season. But a lot of times we overlook. And I'm not pointing fingers, I do the same thing. I overlook things. I overlook things a lot because a lot of times I'm overwhelmed. And so I overlook things. It's, 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 it's human nature. We overlook things. Now, when we talked about being overjoyed, isn't it weird about the things that we get overjoyed over? I said over a lot. But we get overjoyed about, you know, growing up, and if you guys are my age or close to my age, there is one thing that brought so much joy at Christmas time. It was when the mail came and that Sears toy catalog came. Yes. Our youth will not understand the joy that a book this thick came. I, I, I said in first service, <laughs> I said in first service, it's like, it's about as thick as a telephone book. And someone's like, what's a telephone book? I'm like, I'll touch on you next week. We're not but that, that Sears catalog came. And my mom would take it and put it at the dinner table and she would give my three siblings and myself a pad of paper, a pen, and we would go page by page. And we would write down the page number and the item number and that is what we wanted for Christmas. Oh, that, that book, just that, so much joy came from that book. And, and when I thought about it, it wasn't the book that I was overjoyed about. It was when I turned a page and I saw something that I knew I had to have. The joy that came from that. And, and you know, I, all, I would say, I need that. I need that G.I. Joe tank. I need it. <laughs> but in your life, when you turn a page and you see something that you can't explain or you see something that, that, that you have been desperately praying for, you turn that page and you finally see it, you should be overjoyed. You should be overjoyed by, by healing when you see it. You should be overjoyed by, by uh, um, 
when you see somebody and there's restoration, when you look and you turn that page and you see somebody that you've been praying for their salvation for so long, when you turn that page and you see it, you should be overjoyed. But a lot of times we overlook that, especially at Christmas. A couple years ago, um, I was doing the husbandly thing and uh, I went shopping with my wife. I was in retail growing up. I absolutely hate it. Mm, hate it, hate it. But I am a loving, supporting spouse. So I went Christmas shopping with, with my wife, and, and about three hours in, I had like 27 bags on each arm. Men, you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and so I was walking around the mall, and, and um, I, I told her, I said, I'm going to go sit down. <clears throat> so I, I go to sit down, and the only bench that was open was beside this uh, older gentleman. And I asked him, I said, can I sit down? He said, <laughs> he said absolutely. Uh, he said, because uh, pack mules need rest every now and then, too. <laughs> Don't know what he meant by that. But so I sat down, and I said, are you here shopping with your wife, too? And he said, I am. And he said it with a smile. I'm like, I cannot trust this guy. He's smiling. And, and, and so I, I sat there. He's like, what about you? And I said, and I, all I did was complain. I was like, I have been in so many stores. I've been in one store three times. I haven't been in Cinnabon once. I'm very upset. <laughs> and I was so frustrated and I was venting and venting to this gentleman. And I said, what about you? And he says, I enjoy it. And, and he said it with a smile, and we talked for a little bit, and our wives came out almost at the same time, and uh, uh, his wife came out, and you could tell she either was battling cancer or just came out of a battle. And when the man got up, he looked at me, I'll never forget this, looked at me in the face and said, enjoy every second. Church, we need to be overjoyed by the simple things in our lives. We need to be overjoyed by the things that we find ourselves in and the journey that God has put us on. And so this series is called Finding Joy in Your Journey. And so if you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 2, 1 through 10. And I know Christmas sermons, Christmas sermons are tough because everyone's heard these stories before. But I want you to, 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 to look at it from, from a point of view that maybe you've never, never had before. And so this one, we're going to use, we're going to look at it from King Herod's point of view. Yeah, we're going to look at it from King Herod's point of view and, and, and the reason why we need to find joy on our journey. So Matthew 2, 1 through 10, and we're going to start. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of the king Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem was with him. When he had called together at the people's, um, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Six says, but you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star was, has appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. 
9 says, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose and went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Where the child was. 10 says this, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So when we look at this, we're going to answer one question today. How do we have joy in our journey? How can we have joy in the journey that we're on? I'm going to give you three ways, and we're going to kind of dissect them and, and kind of get deeper into Scripture with them. The first point is, how do we have joy in our journey? You need to narrow down your search. When we look at the wise men, and a little backstory on the wise men, number one, they were not kings. In Scripture, it says they were wise men. The, 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 a reference to them being kings came from the 1850s song, We Three Kings. And it was wrote by an Episcopal priest named John Henry Hopkins Jr. That's where the, the Three Kings reference came from. And you know, a lot of people don't know this, but the We Three Kings was one of the first most popular Christmas songs in the United States. I always thought it was Bing Crosby's White Christmas, but I guess I was wrong. But they were not kings. They were wise men. And, and, and a lot of people believe that they were like ancient astrologers, that they could read the stars, that they could read the, the sky, or they were religious men, or, or they, they, were, they were definitely, though, this. They were definitely wise. They were very well-versed. They were very, they were very educated in all these different things. The wise men knew their stuff. They were smart. They were not kings, but they were very influential. So the reason why we need to know this is they were not kings. They were not kings, but they were smart men seeking out Jesus Christ. That needs to be us today on our journey. You need to be wise men, not wise guys. You need to be wise men that still seek out Jesus Christ. And then when you look at, at uh, um, the other uh, backstories about the, about the wise men, is we truly don't know how many there is. Now, later on, they do give them names, and there's only three names, and there's three gifts, the uh, frankincense, gold, and myrrh. So a lot of people assume that there's only three, but we truly don't know. And, and so that's some backstory on the, the wise men. And let's get started on when the wise men's journey actually began. And the Old Testament, Numbers 24 Verse 17, it says, a star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. So when we look at the Old Testament, the journey towards the star, the journey towards the Savior started way before any of these wise men were even born. The path, was the, the path to their journey was already in place, in motion, before they were even born. So when we, we look at this, the star was already had a purpose before the wise men even knew their purpose. We need to narrow our search because a lot of times we try to find joy in things that we cannot physically find joy in. And then we get upset because, oh, I just don't find joy in it anymore. Well, are you trying to find joy into something that's not biblically correct? Are you trying to find joy in a sin? Of course, you're not going to find true joy. We need to narrow our search. Instead of trying to find joy in all these earthly items, these earthly things, we need to narrow our search. When you look at the wise men, they were smart. 
They were smart. So their search was narrowed down to one thing. And that one thing was they knew where they were going. They were going where that star showed them to go. They knew why they were going. They knew that there was a savior at the bottom of that star. And what were they bringing? They knew exactly what they were bringing. The wise men narrowed their search and it got them to where God was calling them to go. That needs to be us. Instead of having this broad search area that we, we struggle to find joy in, we need to narrow our search and realize that the source of true joy is and only will be Jesus Christ. But so many times we brought in our search area and we, get, we search so much that we get exhausted and we get tired. So even when we find joy, we can't, we can't appreciate it. Or we can't, we can't enjoy it because we're so tired by the journey. It's because we're going left to right, left to right, backwards, up, down, when we need to just narrow our search when we're looking for joy. And that's what the wise men did. They knew exactly where the joy was, and they knew how they were going to get there. Christmas, we overcomplicate. We overdo. We overanalyze. When we look at a, uh, a, a story in the Bible we touched on a couple weeks ago during the Sermon on the Mount, Mary and Martha were getting their house ready for Jesus Christ to come. And when they were getting the house ready, Mary kicked her feet up, sat back, and was just talking to Jesus. Martha was that whirlwind that was cleaning, cooking, doing all this stuff like we were before the staff came over last night. I mean, we're just all over, and, and, uh, um, and, you know, Jesus says to Martha, let's read it. It's in Luke 10, 41. He says, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Jesus is saying, you're looking for joy. You only need one thing, and that is me. And then at the end, what does he say? He's like, and nobody can take that from you. You're looking for joy. If you can't find it, you're looking in the wrong place. You feel like somebody has stole your joy? It's because you stored your joy in a place that you shouldn't be storing it. Because scripture tells us that, that Mary had joy speaking to Jesus Christ, spending time with Jesus Christ, and nobody was going to take that from her. There's an old saying I think I've used once or twice here. Has someone tried to steal your joy? Is someone trying to suck the joy out of your life? Don't give them a straw. Don't give them an opportunity to. Put your joy into where you need to put your joy, and that's Jesus Christ. So just like the wise men, we need to narrow our search. We need to narrow our search. We need to search for what is planned for us, but not what's presented to us. A lot of times people present things, oh, this will bring you joy. Most of the time, that's not the case. We need to search for the joy that Jesus has planned for you, not what's presented to you, because that's where we get lost, and that's where we uh, lose track of where we're at. So number one is narrow your search. Number two, don't let the trouble around you trouble you. Now we're going to get into the King Herod part. Don't let the trouble around you trouble you, verse 4 through 6. Matthew tells us that King Herod was a very troubled man. King Herod was a troubled man to the point that he made really bad decisions. 
King Herod was troubled to the point he was strictly evil. King Herod was so troubled in his insecurities. He was so troubled in in his jealousies that he had his own wife killed. He had his own mother and father-in-law killed. He had his own sons killed. Because he was so troubled and so jealous and, and gets so offended that he was troubled. And what does scripture say? It says, because he was troubled. Who was troubled? All of the people were troubled. All of Jerusalem was troubled because King Herod was troubled. So that's what we do around Christmas time is not just Christmas time, all the time. We get troubled by other people's troubles. We get, we get troubled by, by things that haven't even happened yet. I'm going to touch on a nerve because we've all been there. We go worst case scenario way too often. If you're looking for joy and you have found it in Jesus Christ, there's no way you should go to worst case scenario. But that's what happens is we let our troubles trouble us. Many of us have started to grieve somebody that's still here. Guilty. A couple months ago, we lost Marcia's grandma and on the way home from the funeral, I'm like, I mean, I was devastated. Not because we lost her. I mean, she's a great Christian woman. And yeah, that was heartbreaking. But I went worst case scenarios like that's our last grandparent. Parents are next. It troubled me. And I was troubled by something that I don't even need to be troubled about yet. You guys know what I'm talking about because you do it. We get troubled by things that it's not even here yet. We're going to have our fair share of troubles. Let's deal with them when they get here. Because when we, we are troubled by things that, that are troubling others, it takes our joy away. It takes the joy away from us. You are going to have your fair share of troubles. But you shouldn't be troubled by other people's troubles. So when we look at the story, they say King Herod was so troubled that all of Jerusalem was troubled. It says all of Jerusalem. That means all of these people heard the same story that Herod heard. All of these people knew from the Old Testament that a king was coming. But yet they were so troubled by what King Herod was troubled about, they could not fully see the joy that is presented to them. King Herod was, had a moment when he was talking to the wise men, he tried to trick the wise men. He said, you know what? You guys go find out where he's at. Come back. Tell me because I'll celebrate with you. I'll come and I'll celebrate with you. The thing that breaks my heart the most about this passage of scripture is this. King Herod had the exact same opportunity to find Jesus Christ as those wise men did. Herod could have easily been on that same journey with those wise men to follow the star to find Jesus Christ. But King Herod was so troubled that he chose not to. King Herod was so troubled by the threat that Jesus Christ was to him that he chose not to travel with them, not to go on that same path. What is troubling you so much right now that's keeping you off track in your relationship with Jesus Christ? Are you going worst case scenario more often than not? We all have the same opportunity 
define Jesus Christ. We all have the same opportunity to let our troubles aside and focus on the star, and that's Jesus. But yet we get so troubled. We get so troubled that we lose sight of what we're actually supposed to do. Herod was so troubled that he even tried to distract the wise men from going on their journey. He tried to make their journey about him. We do that quite a bit, don't we? We try to make other people's joy and steal their joy and make it our joy. We cannot be troubled in the way that King Herod was. And you're probably thinking, you know, King Herod was evil. And he, you know, I don't think like that. Uh, I get you. We don't. But King Herod was troubled. So are we. King Herod make, made other people troubled. So do we. We make, other, we make our problems other people's problems. But it says if we want to be on this journey, we need to not be troubled by what's troubled. I know that the wise men, when they were in the desert, they probably encountered some really bad storms, really bad sandstorms, really bad uh, 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 temperatures. Nobody ever said the journey that you're on would not go through the desert. Actually, Scripture tells us the opposite. It says that your journey will be long and there will be trials and you'll be persecuted while on your journey. And you're probably thinking, well, that's, that's proof enough that I should be troubled. I want you to listen to this. If you're on the journey and God has put you on that journey, nothing will stop you except yourself. If you're on that journey that God has put you on, nothing can stop you but yourself. And a lot of you is like, well, Satan can stop me. Satan can't stop you unless you let him stop you. Amen. Satan cannot stop you unless you let him stop you. If you're on the journey that like the wise men, nothing was going to stop the wise men. They narrowed their search. They didn't let the troubles occupy their brains. They knew exactly what to do, where to do it, and how to do it. And nothing was going to stop those wise men. Not even King Herod. Not even King Herod. So we look at the scripture and, and, uh, and the Corinthian, oh, I'm sorry, Paul writes to the Corinthian church. He says this, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us, and I'm sorry, an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. 18 says this, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but as on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There's always going to be troubles. But can I give you an assurance for you guys to take home today? There's always going to be troubles. But there's always going to be a God that can take those troubles out of you. There's always going to be a God that can save you from whatever, anything you're in. There's a God that can mend every broken heart that you will ever have. There is a God that can take you out of every addiction you find yourself in. I am telling you, yes, there are troubles every day. The troubles will not stop coming, but neither will Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is on that journey, on that path with you. When we look at, there's an old, uh, old story and as about a dog and it showed up on uh, this uh, older, the elderly couple's front porch and, and uh, the husband wanted to keep it and, and, and uh, the wife's like, no, he's nothing but trouble. 
Not that we need to get rid of it. And, and, he, and uh, the, the, the wife said, why don't you take it out in the woods, drop it off, and uh, he'll just, you know, f- uh, just, have, just drop him off there. And so he dropped him off, went about five minutes, dropped him off in the woods, came back home. By the time he got home, the dog was on the front porch waiting for him. So the wife was frustrated and said, no, you need to go farther out. Take your journey down the road a little bit farther. And then, so he went two hours down the road, windy roads, went up in the mountains, dropped the dog off, dropped the dog off, and he started to go home. And then he calls his wife and said, hey, did that dog make it home again? And she's like, sure did. He's sitting on the front porch. The old man's like, well, put him on the phone. I'm lost. I need directions. (laughs) The reason why I tell that really corny joke is this. Nobody was going to stop that dog from going home. But sometimes we, we lose our way. Sometimes we need direction. Sometimes we let our troubles distract us from what we're supposed to do. I am right there with you. Sometimes we need direction. But we need to narrow our search. That star that was guiding these wise men was not going to stray. That star that was guiding the wise men was not going to go out. It was not going to lead them in the wrong direction. That star, just like all of us, had a purpose. And that was to get people to Jesus Christ. So the last one is, how can we have joy in the journey? And that is, we don't miss the stars. We cannot miss them. Matthew says, when the star rose again on the next night, that it rested above the house where baby Jesus was. And then when the wise men saw it, do you remember what they did? They were overjoyed. The wise men were overjoyed, not by the fact they found Jesus Christ. They were overjoyed simply by the star. When's the last time you have looked at something that God has done in your life and you've become overjoyed? Maybe you've, when's the last time you've looked at something that shouldn't have happened, that there's no explanation, that that maybe you didn't deserve, that you looked up and you're like, man, I'm so overjoyed right now. That's what he's saying is, if we want to get to find Jesus Christ and have joy in the journey, we cannot miss the stars. We can't miss them. You know, there's a... um, you can watch this video on YouTube. I highly suggest that you do. And in 2007, there's a major newspaper that wanted to do kind of like a, a social experiment. And so they took one of the most world-renowned violinists, sold millions of copies of his album, millions and millions of, of listens on uh, Spotify, very popular, over $250 for a ticket to his concert that sold out across the world. They took him and they put him in an outfit that people couldn't recognize him. He was all, his clothes were tattered and torn and dirty, and they took him and he put him right in the middle of Times Square. And over a 43-minute period, he played the violin like he would in one of his concerts. In 43 minutes, 1,100 people walked by him. 1,100 people. Only seven stopped. So many people were so busy with their daily routine that they didn't even realize what was right in front of them. We do that every day. We get so busy with the routines of our kids 
We get so busy with our work routines. We get so busy with all the routines that we think are important. I'm not saying they're not important. I am a catalyst for everything being structured. If you know me, I love structure. I love it. But sometimes I get so busy with my structure and my everyday habits, I don't get to see what Jesus is putting right in front of me. That's what we do really, really bad during the Christmas season. We get so caught up in our traditions. Don't get me wrong. I love my traditions. We get so caught up in everything that we have on our schedule. (laughs) I have a schedule. We get so caught up in the things that our kids want us to do, that we want to do for our kids. But we cannot get off track And we need to keep our eyes on the star. Without the star, nobody would have known where Jesus Christ was. But we lose track of it every day. We miss out on it every day. Because we get so preoccupied with things in our lives. When we look at the star and we look at the journey that the wise men are on, and this will be my last point and we'll we'll, we'll move on, is this. The wise men had a purpose. The star had a purpose. You have a purpose. Your kids have a purpose. But are you too busy doing everything on a daily basis that you're missing where that star is trying to lead you? I want you guys to have a great Christmas. I really do. But is it worth it if we don't have any joy in it? Is it worth it when we don't see where our joy is actually coming from? This Christmas season, slow down, take a deep breath, look up, find the star. We need to slow down and we need to enjoy the joy in the journey that we're on. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, God, that's my prayer today is, God, just slow us down. God, slow our minds down, slow our actions down. God, this journey you've put us on, man, there's joy in it. There's joy in every journey that you send us down. Man, a lot of times we just overlook it. We just blow right past it because we're so so focused on the end, the end result of our journey. God, my prayer is that we, we can see the joy in the journey, that we can see the joy that comes from the hard work that we we put in during the journey. God, but most importantly, this Christmas season, there is joy in the Lord. There is joy in the Son who was born for us, that was sacrificed for us. God, I pray that we don't overlook that, that we find the joy in these small moments that maybe at the time seem insignificant. Man, maybe somebody's here that they're like, man, Christmas just isn't my thing. I just get so depressed at Christmas time. God, you know I've been there. My prayer for that individual today is there's joy there. Keep digging. 
There's joy in that moment that you'll have with your families, no matter how difficult they are. Mm. Keep journeying. Keep digging. There's joy there. We just got to find it. And that, the only place we can find it is in Jesus Christ. Amen. So during our response time, if you want someone to pray over you and uh, one of our staff members, or our uh, small group leaders will be over here, we'd love to pray with you over anything, over anything. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is and this whole Christmas thing just is, doesn't make sense to you, I'd love to pray with you. If you just want to spend alone time with the Lord, come down here and, you know, I did this at the end of the first service. When's the last time you've just taken a couple seconds and just said, man, God, I love you. I was very distracted this morning. I had to take a moment and be like, God, I love you. I'm on a path that you have put me on and I need to find joy in it. Are you brave enough to say that today and know that there's joy on the journey and that journey leads you to Jesus Christ? Let's stand.